happiness is not a feeling. We're not chasing a feeling. We're not chasing better feelings. If we were, I mean, it would be just so depressing. It would depend on what you had for breakfast or if you slept well last night or if you had an argument with your spouse. I mean, ugh. So the truth is we need a better scientific definition. And, and we talk about it in the beginning of the book, happiness is a combination of enjoyment of your life, satisfaction with what you're doing in your life and accomplishments, and finding a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. I'm Maria Sansone, and this is Mom to Mom, the podcast. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode today because who doesn't want to be happier? I can't name one person who doesn't want to find happiness or be happier in their life. In fact, when I think about what I want for my kids, that's always the number one thing, right? We just want them to be happy. And my guest today is literally the expert on happiness and finding it. He is wonderful, and you're going to love this conversation. So today I'm going to introduce you to Arthur C. Brooks. He is a Harvard professor. He's a Ph.D. social scientist, a best-selling author, and columnist for The Atlantic. But most recently, he published a new book called Build the Life You Want, with someone called Oprah. (laughs) Yes, the one and only Oprah. So he uses the highest levels of science and philosophy to teach happiness. He makes it accessible to you and me, and he is sharing all that he's learned to try to make this world a happier place. So let's get happy. And here is my conversation with Arthur C. Brooks. Hi, Maria. How are you? Are you feeling happy today? I am very happy seeing you. Happy our Zoom link is working. (laughs) Exactly right. The tech is all down. That's really great. I am grateful for that. So how are you? I know you've been on the book tour, hanging out with Oprah, doing the thing. And I know that can be so exciting and also so exhausting at the same time. So how are you doing with everything? It's great. I mean, I, I have what a privilege it is. I mean, I dedicated myself years ago to lift people up and bring them together using science and ideas. And people are actually paying attention. They want to be happier. So the result is, look, if you do something you love and you have an audience for it, what could be better? I mean, you know how I feel. You do what you love. You have a big audience. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So how did it happen? How did Oprah find out about you and this concept? And then obviously she wanted to go deeper as well. Yeah, so it turns out that Oprah Winfrey is, a, is one, of my, one of my readers of my column. I have a column every Thursday morning in the Atlantic. It comes out at 7 o'clock every Thursday. It's called How to Build a Life. And, and it's about the science of happiness. And it turned out during the coronavirus epidemic, she was locked down just like everybody else out in California, and she was looking forward to the column every week. And then I had a book that came out in 2022, before the one we wrote together. She got it on the first day and read it and called me. <clears throat> so, you know, this is Oprah Winfrey. And I'm like, yeah, and this is Batman. I mean, no, right? No. And and it turns out it was Oprah Winfrey. And, wow. and I went on her podcast, Super Soul, which is a book podcast. And we were like a house on fire. It was, you know, we have the same values of, of, you know, uplifting people and using ideas. And she said, you know, what if we did something together? So it was her idea, actually, to kind of host this project. And we wrote it over the over a whole year. Um, it was very intense. And then it came out in September and boom. Um, turns out a lot of people want to be happier. <laughs> yeah. So how was it collaborating? Because you had written a book before yourself, and this time a completely different experience with a powerhouse who knows what she wants. How was that experience? 
It was great. I've written a lot of books by myself and I, and I write books for relatively large audiences. I'm lucky to have people who want to read what I write, but it's entirely different when you open up the audience that trusts and follows Oprah Winfrey. And that was the whole idea. She has people who will follow her because they know they can trust her. She wants the best for them. And for many years, decades, actually, they've been saying that Oprah Winfrey wants the best for me. So when she suggests something, I'm going to do it. So she kind of molded around the work that I was writing on the science of happiness for, it's, this is not a science book. This is a book about how to live your life better based on science. So it was written for everybody. And she writes chapter introductions and, you know, linkages between the sections and saying, this is how I'm using this. And the result is that a lot of people like that structure. As a matter of fact, we read the book together. So a lot of people, tens of thousands of people have bought the book on audio and, and they can hear me and Oprah read the book to them. That is so cool. All right. So let's dig into it. Like I said at the beginning, we all want to be happier. And I think if you ask mm -hmm. any parent out there what they want for their child, they will say, I want them to be happy. That's all mm -hmm. we want. So how do you define happiness to start? Yeah. Well, to begin with, one thing is very important to, to, to understand is that, that happiness is not the goal. And the reason is because you can't be cosmically, metaphysically happy. You can't be happy because you have negative emotions that you need all the time. We want our children to grow and learn, and we all need to have negative emotions so we can get through the world. There are things that are scary. There are things that are threatening. There are things that bother us or make us sad. And, and part of having a full life is having those emotions. So happiness, pure happiness, maybe in heaven, Marina, but, uh, but, but, you know, on earth, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. So I called you Marina because my daughter's name is Marina. Anyway, so... Yeah. And uh, anyway, so Maria, I got anyway. So um, so we don't want that. We want to be happier. The goal, as Oprah likes to put it, is happierness. That's the direction that we're going. And we can get that if we understand what that actually constitutes. That's the second thing we have to re remember is that happiness is not a feeling. We're not chasing a feeling. We're not chasing better feelings. If we were, I mean, it would be just so depressing. It would depend on what you had for breakfast or if you slept well last night or if you had an argument with your spouse. I mean, ugh. So the truth is we need a better scientific definition. And, and we talk about it in the beginning of the book. Happiness is a combination of enjoyment of your life satisfaction with what you're doing in your life and accomplishments and finding a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. And we walk through all three of those pillars. Each one is a different kind of challenge and, and an exciting challenge of that. It's just wonderful once we understand it and we realize that it's in our hands. Yeah. And, and like you were saying about unhappiness, it sounds like unhappiness isn't the enemy because it's not the opposite of happiness and these things can coexist and it's important that they do. So we shouldn't yeah, be shying sure. away from this feeling of unhappiness or like you said, for our kids. So it's an important yeah. piece. Totally. And the problem is that in schools and universities and all of our society that, that people are being told that when they feel anxious or they feel sad, that there's something wrong with them, that they're depressed. You know, I teach at Harvard University. I say to my students, look, if you're not anxious and depressed, then you need therapy. I mean, the truth of the matter is life is tricky, you know, and, and look, it can be a medical problem. It can get above the threshold, but, but all of us have these feelings. They're not switches. You know, you go to the doctor and doctor says you have anxiety as if it were some yes or no thing. No, mm. everybody's very anxious. That is anxiety is nothing more than unfocused fear. And there are ways to deal with this. Now it can be above the threshold beyond which we actually need medical care. But the truth is that if we don't have this, there's something wrong with us. We right. need to recognize that these are normal things to have, learn from them, grow from them, and, and manage the feelings so they don't manage us. Well, it keeps us alive. Fear. I mean, yeah. you uh -huh. need some level of fear. Otherwise, we would get hurt 
all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, if you didn't have sadness, for example, which is the aversion to being separated from your loved ones, you wouldn't stay married. You wouldn't keep a job. You wouldn't have any friends. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that we even need sadness, even though people say, I never want to feel sad again. Yes, you do. And we need anger and fear because there are threats around us. Fear, for example, I mean, you drive your car. You don't want to not feel fear when fear is actually appropriate. Disgust is another one too. Disgust is really important because we have to be alerted to pathogens in our environment, things that could make us sick or hurt us. Ah. And, And all these things together are just, you know, mother nature wants us to survive and pass on our genes and do all those wonderful things. And, you know, negative emotions yeah. actually are the most important emotions for that. Well, that's the funny thing about feelings and the feels is it's a total package. You don't get yeah. one and not the other. So in order to feel excitement and thrilling and all these things that are great and happiness, you have to also be able to fear to feel the other things. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there's um, for many, many, many years, every day when I first wake up in the morning, I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it from the Psalms, you know, and for a long time, you know, before I was actually studying the science of happiness seriously as a scholar of this stuff, I thought what that means is this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in the good stuff, in the happy stuff, in the pleasant stuff. But that's not good enough. You know, the truth is, you got to wake up each day and say, bring it on. I mean, I'm alive. I'm not going to waste the gift that is this day. And that's good and bad. I, I need to learn things. I need to experience things. But I'm willing to manage these particular emotions so they're not managing me and, and turning my life into a big hot mess, which is happening all around us. <laughs> it absolutely is. Well, school is back in session and schools need our support. So we would love for you to help support our schools and get the necessary funding and supplies to underprivileged schools across New England. All you have to do to help is go to our website, nbc10boston.com forward slash supporting our schools to find a variety of teacher projects and asks things they need for their classroom, stuff like that. Every little bit counts. You describe the four pillars of happiness. So could you walk us through those and then some examples of what that would look like in real life? Yeah, you know, I've been studying for many years the habits of the happiest people. You know, happy people do certain things and unhappy people do other things. And if you look at, you know, big samples and interview people, et cetera, you can find patterns that start to emerge. Now, there's a million things that will make your life a little bit better, a little bit more pleasant, give you more positive emotion, help you deal with your life. But there's really only four big things that the happy people do every day, the happiest people. Not, there's nobody completely cosmically happy. We talked about that before. But you know, the happier people, they do four things. They put an investment or a deposit in each of four accounts every day. The number one is they work on their faith or life philosophy. The second is that they work on their family. The third is they work on their friendships. And the fourth is that they work on their work so that they're serving other people. Now, it's important that we get this clear. You know, when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about my faith. I'm a Catholic, and it's the most important thing in my life. But I'm looking at the data as a social scientist. And I'll tell you, there's lots of ways to get that. The key is to be something bigger than your day-to-day 
I mean, like we're, we're like the star of our own psychodrama and it's just so yeah. boring. It's like watching the same episode of succession over and over yes. and over and over and over. Ugh, my job and my money and my commute and my sandwich. And oh, it's just the worst. We're so, kind of narcissistic in that way. So when you talk about religion, are. you're talking about this concept of just being a part of something, being just a little yeah, drop yeah. in this bigger thing. Yeah. And you got to get help. small. You got to get small and 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 see that there's that, that there's something. Tra it's that that's called the transcendent by philosophers, and the whole thing is transcend the here and now so that you can get perspective and peace. Now, maybe that's walking in nature or studying music or a meditation practice or um, you know maybe it's the faith of your youth, like for me. But the whole point is you got to do something. You got to do it every day. That's one. Family life is number two. And this is really important. One, Mariam, one in six Americans is not talking to a family member today because of politics. Mm. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's crazy. It's like it's like happiness death mm -hmm. is that I'm not going to talk to my mother because she votes for, you know, whoever the other party, whatever the other party is. That's, you know, and there are a lot of people who are in, in politics and media who are urging us to hate on the people who disagree with us. And that's really, really bad because you must look, family relationships are funny. I mean, you and I both have kids and, and, you know, these are the most cosmic relationships because you love them most intensely, but you didn't choose them. It's so weird. You know, you don't choose your family members. God knows you wouldn't choose them in certain cases. And when, but and trust me, when your kids are teenagers, you'll see what I'm talking about. And, and it's not, it's a weird thing. It's hard to explain. I can I can explain the neurochemistry of it. There's a there's a hormone in the brain called oxytocin that bonds you to your children, bonds you to the people that you love. I get it. It's an evolved deal, but it doesn't. It's a miracle. It's a gift from God, as far as I'm concerned. So that's the second thing. Never, never, never have a, a schism with your family, except for abuse and 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 differences of opinion on politics. Not abuse, right? Yeah. Despite what you know, they're telling you at, you know, 8.30 on a cable channel. And that so, can be really hard. It can be really yeah. hard because just like any relationship, you have to work at it. So it may not come natural and that you may, no, no, it no. may mean you can't say all the things you want to say all the time or whatever that looks like. But in the end, I think you'll be happier if that's what we're talking about today, if you can just agree to disagree. Yeah. Especially and with forgive, the holidays forgive, coming. Forgive, forgive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgiveness yeah. is key on this because, you know, people are offending you all the time, especially when you live with them. Forgive, forgive, forgive again and again and again. This is really critically important. And, the, you know, next, of course, is friendship and friendship. You know, it's easy for some people, but most people actually ha have fewer friends than they used to. Um, the number, the, the percentage of people who have, say that there is more than one person who knows me well, that percentage has been cut in half since mm -hmm. 1990. And it's much worse in the era of social media, way worse now that we're doing everything virtually. And then the coronavirus epidemic just cratered everything on that. So we have this huge loneliness epidemic because we don't remember how to do friendship. And, you know, mm. so social media is horrible for that. I mean, I, I tell young adults, the students in my class, I ask them to take the apps off their phone and immediately they feel less lonely immediately really? because they start interacting with other humans in person, getting oxytocin because of eye contact and touch. Wow. We think it's, yeah, it's, it's a social network. And so we think we're being social and yeah. maybe we're replacing what we should be doing physically in real life with these devices. I mean, we know it's not good. We know it's not good it's on not so good. many levels. Yeah. It's like getting all your meals that. at McDonald's. It's like going to, it's like going to a, it's like going to a fast food place. I mean, once in a while it's fine, right. but you know, even, you know, the people who run fast food joints, 
tell you not to eat three meals a day in these places because you get too many calories and not enough nutrients. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing with social media. When you're feeling lonely, if that's where you're turning, you'll binge it and you'll get sort of too many calories and no oxytocin, no nutrition from it. So you're going to get lonelier and lonelier, sort of malnourished is the way that that works. And from doing this show and talking to experts like yourself, friendships are so important. Like yeah. it will make you live longer if you have um, friends, right? Proven fact, I don't think we put as much emphasis on this as there needs to be on, you know, right. go out and find some friends somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to be real friends, not deal friends. Yes, and we all know the difference. Between, yeah. Real and deal. And it's funny because a lot of people who are, you know, who they, they know a lot of people, but they're people who are kind of useful to them. This is, this happens a lot in professional life. People who work really long hours and, and so, you know, some of the people watching us, but some of the spouses of the people who are watching us, they'll notice that their spouse knows a lot of people and is around people all day long, but is kind of needy and lonely. So what's the deal? The deal is too much deal and not enough real when it comes to friendships. And we all know the difference. I mean, real friends are useful to you. De real friend, deal friends are useful. Real friends are useless. They're beautifully, cosmically useless. You, I don't mean worthless. I have those two. You need... You, useless friends, you just love them. And, and that's the key. That's really hard for a lot of men, actually. Um, and so, you know, if, if moms are watching us and they're married to guys who are weirdly lonely, that's what's going on. Too much deal, not enough real. Help your, mm. your, help your, your last child, your husband, uh, go get some real friends. Yeah. I mean, you can be in a room full of people and be really lonely. You can be in a room full of so-called friends and be really lonely because you don't have oh, yeah. that real relationship like you're talking about. Yep, uselessness, more uselessness. More you know, you uselessness. can say that people really My love. friends are so useless. I just I totally, love them. Totally. <laughs> That's the ultimate compliment to your friend. It's like, I don't need you. No, they're not. I just love you. I couldn't. You're useless to me. <laughs> I, I chat every day, every day with my grade school best friends. And I cannot right? tell you what it has done for me. It happened starting during the pandemic. We found this like app where we can leave each other messages every single day. And so when I go home to get in the car, I'll have a bunch of messages from them. And it's, I call it our show about nothing. It's our show about mm -hmm. nothing, but our show about everything. And we talk about every little thing under the sun. And it has yes. really changed my life to be able to like dump stuff on them and so um, they are useless, but so useful at the same time because we are yeah. like leaning on each other in that way. Um, that's right. That's right. And you're in TV. So, you know, it's very easy for everybody to become useful and everybody to yeah. be kind of a stepping stone. I mean, you have a really good in improving career. And, and, and so it's easy to stop seeing people as beautifully useless and, <laughs> and important for just the love that you have for them. And what you find is the people from your past are often the best for that. Yeah. Because these are the people who know you. They knew you before you were on television. Yeah. And so they see you as Maria the person, not Maria the, the TV show host, which is really important. Maria the total goofball. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs>for where to find the perfect pumpkin spice latte, the best fall family-friendly activities, or interviews with your favorite celebrities, we can find it all in one place. It's the weekly Hubbub newsletter. You can sign up by going to our website, nbc10boston.com forward slash newsletters. Drop your email and you'll have everything you need in your inbox every Thursday. We didn't talk about work too much. So let's talk right. about happiness at work. A lot of people are miserable in their jobs.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this not just jobs out in the marketplace. There are a lot of people who are not very happy in in the jobs that they're doing with their families or you know taking care of family members or or volunteering or people who are retired. Work doesn't have to be for pay. It's something you do to create value with your life and value in the lives of other people. And there's really two secrets to it, whether you get paid or you don't get paid. And it's not the prestige and it's not obviously the money. It's not whether or not you have a, you know, college degree or whether it's high prestige. No. The two factors on your break work bringing you joy, you believe that you earn your success, which is to say you're creating value and you're being recognized for creating that value, mm. and that you're serving other people and you can see the faces of the people that you serve. Those are the big factors in this. So just you know, think about it. You know, there are a lot of people who are working away and, and they think they're doing a good job, but they don't really know because nobody actually tells them. They don't have bosses who recognize that or they're working in, a, in family life, taking care of their children, and nobody ever says thanks. Yeah. Nobody ever actually recognizes that. That's critically important. I think, and the second um, is that they don't, yeah, right? Validation is so yeah. important for people. Recognition, validation, however you want to describe it. And those little thank yous go a long way. And just the acknowledging helps. Yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, we can all do this for the people around us who are helping to take care of us. And, you know, this is, you know, mom to mom here. We're talking, I'm, I, this is, so this is dad to mom at this point, you know, the, you know, it's that we need family members to show proper appreciation for, for moms is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Because if you don't, then, then mom is not going to enjoy her job very much, her job taking care of the family. Yeah. So very much. And then the second thing is really seeing the faces of the people that you serve. So that's actually easier for people in domestic life. That's harder for people in the in the workplace, people in the marketplace. So a lot of people are doing these jobs and they don't know. I mean, they're doing data analytics or, you know, something. They're working at a call center or whatever they're doing. And it's like, I don't know. Am I helping people? And so that's the job of bosses to make sure that, that people who work in an organization can see the faces of the people that appreciate them. Yeah. You know, no matter where they are. And so I, I to be a CEO. I was a CEO for 11 years. And, you know, I learned this, I started looking at the data on this, like, holy cow, I started bringing in people who, who actually were, were directly touched by the product of my organization and mm. talking to people in the mail room and in the cafeteria. And it was a Maria, it was a game changer. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's what we all need. All right. I have an idea. Since people yeah. are watching right now, I encourage everyone out there today who's watching this or listening to this to thank a mom. Find a mom yeah. and tell her she's doing a good job today because it is the best feeling. Out of nowhere, my husband, a couple days ago, just said to me, because I invited his parents over for dinner, and he goes, why are you so great? And I go, what? It like came out of nowhere. And he's like, yeah. why would you, let's like go out of your way to have people over for dinner and everything. I was blushing. Like it yeah. was the greatest compliment. And it was just a silly little thing. But yeah. I, I could like feel my face getting hot. I was like, I am I, great. <laughs> I know. And it's a person you're in love with who's actually giving you spontaneous compliments spontaneous for something you actually did well and was thoughtful. Compliment was so great. Okay. So we covered all the four pillars and I yeah. do have to ask though, because I feel like my life sometimes is like a scale, right? Or a leaky bucket is even better. You plug mm. one hole and then something else is like, oh, I better plug right. that hole. Meaning like, okay, things are going great at work. They're not going so great at home. I'm kind of failing right. on the mom front. Or things are going great on the mom front and then I'm suffering at work because I'm spending too much time. You know, how do you right. keep it all? And I hate balance. I think it's a charged thing. But how do you kind of keep it all straight? 
Well, to begin with, we have to have proper expectations. Being uncomfortable and having problems is the most normal thing in the world. If you didn't have problems, it means you're not in the game. It means you're not actually out there in the workplace and not at home properly at work, and you're not paying attention, or, or even worse, you don't care is the way that that works out. Everybody has problems all the time. Every single person in the world has tons of problems right now. Now, the reason for that is that we're getting all these signals from the outside world. And this is what Oprah and I write about in this book. The signals from the outside world are the, the, the information is transmitted to a part of the brain called the limbic system. All that is is the box inside your brain that makes feelings. It's your feelings uh, machine. And that sends out positive and negative feelings. And you interpret those things and decide how to act. But once again, you know, not everything is something that you want at every single second. You want to adjust this and change that. And something is sending up a little alarm on this or that or the other thing. The more you understand about your emotions, the better off you are because you can say, oh, yeah, you know, if I didn't have these feelings, then something would actually be wrong, and here's how I can manage them. Yeah. Oh, this is such good stuff. I wish we had more time, but yeah. for anyone out there who wants more of Arthur, you can grab the book. It's called Build the Life You Want. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom. I'm happier. I'm feeling happier already. I hope you are too. Listen, you can catch all of our episodes of Mom to Mom, the TV show on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC 10 Boston, or you can find Mom to Mom with Maria Sansone, the podcast, wherever you find your podcast. If you like what you hear, I ask you to please rate and review. I'm told that goes a long way in podcast world. Anyway, thank you all so much for being here. I'll catch you next time on Mom to Mom. 